Before we start the show, I wanted to tell you a little bit of news. I'm so proud to formally announce that Modern Manhood is part of the amazing Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATV. The Alberta Podcast Network is a brainchild of the amazing Karen Unland, who has helped join 10 podcasts as of right now, with possibly more in the future, along with ATV Financial to help promote the great local contact that is happening here in Alberta. I will join such quality podcasts like That's So Maven, The High Level Showdown, and Northern Nerdcast, among many others. If you want to know more about the network, how to hear these great podcasts, how to be involved, or you have a business and you want our podcast to promote you, just go to albertapodcastnetwork.com and you'll find out more information there. Anyways, on to the show. Understanding the many different views of masculinity in the modern world. My name is Herman Vijegas, and this is the Modern Manhood Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Modern Manhood Podcast. I'm your host, Herman Vijegas. Now, Modern Manhood is proud to be a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATV, as you've heard right on the top of the show. So today, what are we going to talk about? Wonder Woman. Now, Wonder Woman came out in May, and along with it came a wake of good feelings, well wishes, and empowerment among women superhero lovers. You know, you saw little girls crying in joy at the sight of Gal Gadot. There was a video out there. Um, and dressing up like Wonder Woman in many different conventions, many different events. Uh, you saw this movie bring a lot of happiness to women around. Not only is Wonder Woman the first modern superhero movie starring a woman, but it's a pretty awesome movie for itself. It's probably one of the best of the DC Universe. Now, of course, with anything involving geeky fandoms and women, the trolls came out. First it was whining about the all-female screening of Wonder Woman in Texas, and then just the souring of the movie as some sort of propaganda tool. Now, this is not new for the geeky fandom type. We're witnessing again with the first female Doctor Who. We witnessed it before with Ghostbusters. And this is all in the last, I don't know, five years? Not only that, we see it not just with women characters, but also any characters that don't fit the white male archetype. You know, I'm thinking of titles like Squirrel Girl, Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel, and Black Panther. So why do men, specifically white men get so riled up about diversity, specifically diversity that geeky industry needs. Well, I brought in a person who has lived experience, a lived experience expert, if you may, Brandon Schatz. Now, he's the co-owner of Variant Edition Comments here in Edmonton. He's got expert knowledge as to why males behave this way, as you will find out. And it has a lot to do with the history of the matter. He's also indirectly lived the sexism um, that we were just talking about when opening his store with his wife, Danica. Besides that, we're also going to talk about his own life experience as a business owner, um, the way he feels about being an introvert who also wants to help other introverts, and basically why he puts his money where his mouth is. So I hope you enjoy my interview with Brandon Schatz.
So Brandon, I appreciate you being here. This is awesome, actually, um, because I, I I like comic books, but I'm not the biggest comic book nerd. Like, as you notice, like, I know you're sitting up, like, I have some comic books, but they're like, <laughs> they're just a niche thing. And there's so much stuff around it. Um, but I, I have a lot of questions about comic books, especially around comic books and masculinity. Absolutely. And Brandon is um, the owner. Uh, co-owner. Co-owner, yeah. yes. Sorry, it's a good point to say that. Um, co-owner with your wife, mm -hmm. your wife Danica, um, of Variant Edition Comics. Um, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, let's let's get this started. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Yeah, yeah that's like awesome. I was mentioning I have a, had a hectic week. Mm -hmm. um, I'm glad that you were saying before that the business is kind of kind of booming. Yeah, lately. very much so. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think that is? Uh, a lot of it is just uh, a bit of it's the summer. A bit of it is just sort of we're finally resituated after having moved the store uh, uh, at the end of August last year, and uh, you know just. If you keep if you keep plugging away and and pushing forward, you know it just kind of starts happening at a certain point. Yeah, and I'm curious as well uh, for this because um, Wonder Woman just came out, mm -hmm. um, big big movie um, and very important movie as well too, especially in the comic book industry. Absolutely. Um, are you starting to see a change in clientele because of that? Absolutely, and well, part of it too is uh, comic books, and especially in the city, there's a lot of comic book stores and there's markets that are well covered. And so, uh, what our store really aimed for was sort of the more non-traditional comic book reader. And, uh, in sort of, because of that, when the wonder woman movie hit, uh, especially with the way that we kind of present ourselves, everyone went, where is a good space for us to experience this without having to deal with uh, a potentially toxic atmosphere? And there's like, mm -hmm. oh, variant edition. Mm -hmm. So that was a really big thing for us. Yeah, I, I totally noticed that. You know, like if you go through, um, even just walking around the store, or just going through your Twitter account, like a lot of people are coming in. Um, I saw some little girls dressed up in Wonder One Woman gear. Absolutely, it's kind of excitement towards it, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. There was a, a Wonder Woman Day actually, uh, the Saturday after the movie came out, and DC provided kind of like uh, cardboard crowns and bracelets. And we we're putting them on, uh, my, uh, my wife was working that day and she was putting them on, uh, these young girls who would just do the poses and they were so excited. And it was just really cool to see that, you know, like little girls just being like, Oh, a hero that like is me. Yeah. And I like that you put that on Twitter too. You, you even said, you know what, like, um, wonder what, there's so many heroes that look like myself. Um, and you yourself, you're a white male. Yeah, identified as white male, but there's not a whole lot of them that are that are like Wonder Woman. And Wonder Woman is a classic, but it's it's taken a long time for it to be on film, and it still kind of draws like I'm, just, I'm taking a big sigh here. Some weird controversy. <laughs> yeah, I I definitely understand what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Why do you think that controversy exists? It's very weird. Um, it's it's a little dismissive to say it's just uh, white dudes who can't share their toys. It's very dismissive to say that. Uh, but in, uh, in a lot of ways, it ends up being true. Um, but uh, I say that knowing full well that uh, the loudest voices out there are a minority. They just happen to be very loud. Yeah, I totally agree with that, especially living in a place like Edmonton. I feel like there's a uh, there's a wide range of diverse uh, communities here, and uh, I mean, your store is planted right on 
like um, very close to Stony Plain Road, which mm-hmm. is a very diverse neighborhood. Do you find a lot of people that come into your store that are not white males? Absolutely. Uh, a little bit of it that is is design. A little bit of that is just location. But uh, the the comic book industry, you can, you can just look back through its documented history, um, is predominantly featured white male creators, white male characters, and has really begot a white male audience. Something where we were pushing out, we're just being mindful of keeping a broad variety of topics and and superheroes and characters and just genres in the store instead of um, just your your more typical stuff. When we're taking a chance on something, basically, uh, we look at it and we just like, all right, is this just sort of like a regular white male, white male narrative, which you know is sort of ubiquitous, is very easy to find. Or does this feature somebody else, um, like a non cishet white male, basically? And uh, if that's the case, and we're kind of hemming and hawing, we'll definitely order something more towards that area than towards an area that's well covered, and we'll just arrive at the store without us even trying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, it, and it's interesting you say that too, because as a, a, a provider and distributor like yourself, you know, Marvel just recently had this big thing about um, how their sales weren't as good and they partly blamed this on diversity and said, like, oh, our diverse comics are not selling as much, therefore we had to cut them off or something like that. What were your thoughts on that? It was a very, very interesting day when that came out. Um, So uh, like a a little bit of context, what Marvel had done and they hadn't, done anything like this for years and years and years uh clearly they were they were trying to get their ground uh back underneath them they invited 10 of their highest selling uh retail clients to a meeting with uh some of the high ups and the person who actually made these comments of just like uh about diversity was their pr person and uh being a PR person, he chose his words very deliberately. What it ended up saying was, we hear from you that these books aren't selling. Uh, knowing full well that in non-traditional markets, uh, the uh, like regular bookstores like Chapters and Scholastic Book Fairs, which they've actually been pushing into, uh, books like Unbeatable Squirrel Girl and Black Panther and uh, Ms. Marvel are selling hand over fist, uh, digitally too, as well. Uh, and so he was a PR person talking to, uh, the direct market basically of, of comics has a strong white male audience base and, uh, based off of like old selling models. And so he just said words that were like basically agreeing with them without telling them that they're right. Right. As a PR person, I was like, very cagey, very scummy. Yes, <laughs> totally, mm-hmm. totally scummy. Um, and especially for things like those those specific titles, like like Unbeatable Squirrel Girl or even Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like you know, I just heard that um, what was it, Tanishi Coles. Coates, sorry, mm-hmm. I was that wrong. Um, she was the writer of Black Panther, and she's a very prominent black, um, like a kind of a feminist author as well, too. Right? Um, yeah, uh, uh, I'll I'll do a little bit of correction. Uh, yeah, Tiny Coates is 
is the is the a guy who's writing Black Panther. He's co-writing. He was co-writing a uh, World of Wakanda with Roxanne Gay. Right, that's what's thinking. Uh, what you're yes. uh, what you're referring to. Thank you for correcting me. Oh no, <laughs> um, I I can I completely understand. Like this is uh, when people are like, oh, I'm so sorry for getting that wrong. I'm like, no, this is literally my job, <laughs> and it is not your job. Like, I if I get that wrong, that's a problem. The the World of Wakanda book that they had been working on together was canceled. Um, and he had actually been working uh, on another one. Uh, the Black Panther book and World of Wakanda uh, sort of uh, dealt with geopolitical issues because Ta-Nehisi Coates um, writes for The Atlantic. He actually got uh, a MacArthur Genius Grant uh, fairly recently for his writing on, on um, just basically... Uh, being black in the world. Yeah. And so Black Panther and World of Wakanda is very much about uh, geopolitics. World of Wakanda specifically was dealing with young lesbian couple who uh, is part of his, and I'm, I can never pronounce it uh, properly, but the uh, Deomalaysia de or whatever, but his, uh, his basically secret guard of, of women. And there's like some, some connotations there built into like really old, uh, Black Panther stories, mm-hmm. but that he's been trying to re- rehabilitate basically. Um, but it was great uh, representation and and stuff like that. And then he was working on this book called Black Panther and the Crew, which was very ground level in America uh, uh, current situations. And so he's covering like a good chunk of, uh, for lack of a better term, like uh, the Black experience, uh, living in the world. Uh, in a superhero setting to sort of like that whole fantasy sci-fi thing, making tougher uh, subjects, easier pill to swallow for everybody else type of deal. (laughs) Really bring that to the fore. And they're just like, yeah, those are going to be canceled before we even put out trades. Have fun. Yeah. That's what I just, I saw that and I was like, again, I like all these things where I'm like, especially in the comic book industry, especially. And I feel like, like in nerd culture, like we just came over like things like Gamergate, and I'm like, we were just dealing with that. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think there's this all like anytime that the I feel like this, anytime that there's some sort of um interesting, diverse direction that goes into nerd culture? Because this is like, and the reason I ask this question is because it does deal a lot with uh with the terms of toxic masculinity, yeah. Um, why do you think that it? Why do you think there's always this kind of pushback? So my wife and I uh, have written a, a, a bit of a talk about about this. Uh, for comics specifically, it does come from the way that the industry formed. So originally, you have the the characters forming back in like the 40s, 50s, and 60s, where it had more of a white male culture. Basically, they they in fact had these comics for. Uh, young boys uh, romance comics were selling extremely well um, and so there was uh, everybody really reading these comics and they they developed this industry uh, and then the back issue market became very prominent and so some retailers started looking at this and started making comic book stores and then comic book companies uh, and stores tried to look for a way to get comics directly to these retailers. So what ended up happening was this direct industry formed where these retailers were buying directly from these comic companies and forming basically, essentially, instead of comics being available everywhere, the newsstands where you were more typically finding them, they were starting to specialize 
inside essentially walled off areas. And because of the way that the comics industry was formed, basically um, more with the mind of like young boys and specifically a lot of uh, more specific white male characters, uh, sort of that power fantasy, basically. And then entrenching itself into the direct market, you you have a lot of these people who grew up uh, basically being told that uh, comics are for children. And then this market develops specifically for people who aren't children for retailers who are people who are collecting things. And so the industry kind of grows into selling to them. Uh, the only place that they had to talk about it was in this area. So they kind of start entrenching themselves when, uh, when they're like, well, everybody tells me that this is childish, but really it's a whole lot better. And then they're trying to explain themselves, but they're kind of in that sort of feedback loop of these walled off areas where they're getting this content. Uh, and it, and it keeps going around and around. Uh, when you started seeing this push outwards, it was because the internet started existing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a wider range of people discovering that you know it's it's okay to to like these things and sharing sharing their experience of of nerd culture. Um, but you have uh, these people who do get inside their minds of well, everybody because everyone's generalizing here. But the people who get mad are thinking everybody told me that this was childish and now they want in. No, that's not how this works. And so they push against that. It's just like, no, this was my thing and you made fun of me. And it's, it's very defensive, but then it gets very toxic when, when that thing that you uh, maybe at one point wanted to share with everybody, you're just like, no, but this is mine now and you can't have it. <laughs> yes, it's totally. And I find that interesting because it really, um, it caused size by size by by sports fans when they call people bandwagoners. Mm-hmm. They're just like, no, I liked this when I was little and where they were terrible. Like when people did not like this. And mm-hmm. you're liking it now because it's popular and you don't even know the history. Or, there's a lot of gatekeeping involved. Um, yeah. When in fact, you should be celebrating the fact that you're like, we we're both liking the same thing. You can commiserate with people, basically. It's a, it's a shared passion. And at like at the very least... If you have a mass this knowledge, like maybe this is an opportunity to pass that along. That could be a positive thing. Yeah, totally, totally. And and it seems like um, Variant Edition, yourself and Danica, are working very hard to um, kind of move away or trying to embrace um, this this diverse notion. And this is our in general the, a diverse population mm-hmm. that are liking comic books. Have you noticed because of that that you are getting pushback? Yes and no. We have started getting hate mail, which felt great. Uh, <laughs> it, know, it means it means you're doing a job, right? <laughs> exactly. Like the you get that initial thing of just like, how dare you? Uh, but then almost immediately after, you're just like, no. If we're making you mad, then we're doing something right. What we've what we've ended up discovering is we basically make it very clear what our store is trying to do basically provide a very open space for people to uh, enjoy pop culture without any, any judgments. Um, our, our basic rule of thumb is if you are going to practice any kind of intolerance, then we in turn reserve the right to be intolerant towards you. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're sitting there saying that maybe, maybe we shouldn't be serving the LGBTQ community, which I had is something that I've been told with a lot harsher terms at a, at an old store that I worked at. 
uh, at that store. And, um, we haven't really had that experience here, uh, yet. I, I would basically tell them that, uh, you are, those ideas aren't welcome here. Um, you're welcome to, to continue to purchase, but if you are, are bent on, uh, promoting that kind of idea or, or culture, you can sooner just get out. Um, it's about providing a safe space for as many people as possible. If someone's going to be like, well, I don't want them here, then they can get out basically like, yeah, totally. And and I like it too, because you're, um, you, both of you are embracing the, uh, just a different group of people and embracing people to be like comic book lovers. And Mm -hmm. that's, I think that's your job as a comic book store owner. I feel like that's like, it's like you're sharing your passion. We've talked, uh, Danica and I have talked about basically sort of, uh, short-term thinking versus long-term thinking. Uh, short-term thinking is sort of, the, uh, market to the audience that exists. Yes, absolutely. You're going to get money and you're going to get money right away. Uh, because, uh, those, those people are already spending for long-term uh, it's better to attempt to push and grow if you're marketing towards people who are already into it. Yes, they're they're deserving of attention, and and we do spend attention on on uh, people who already love comics, of course, uh, because that's something we share. A lot of our marketing efforts are to people who don't know they're into comics yet. Just even to put it as crassly as possible, basically, people grow up. They will either, sometimes they'll change interest. Sometimes their money situation changes. Sometimes they're buying a house, having a kid. Sometimes they die. Sometimes they go to jail. <laughs> like that's, there's been everything that's happened, uh, since I've worked in comic stores in general. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, yeah, life happens sometimes. And mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. And I think you gain a good following to that. And I think you gain like, not even just a good following, you get good faith from the community as well. Mm. And I think that's also quite important. I want to talk about you specifically. You know, you mentioned about the, talking about the history of comics, that something with, like the comics was considered childish and people were um, using that. Did you, did you get that when you were, when you were younger? Uh, I grew up in central Alberta, which is a lot less uh, accepting than Edmonton and Edmonton is still in Alberta as well. Um if we're the the Texas of the North, it might be like uh, uh, I always want to say Houston, but that's not exactly right. We're just uh, we're Dallas or Dallas, town, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. We're we uh, we're sort of the more accepting area of the Canadian Texas. However, it's still Texas. Um, I was always not not bullied per se, but just treated as lesser than because I wasn't into say. Uh, the local hockey team or, or what have you. I was, I was interested in, in fictional characters who, who, you know, didn't exist, but, and, and fought in their pajamas. Like they fight in their pajamas. I understand that. Uh, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. It's been very interesting kind of growing up and growing into this culture where suddenly these characters are everywhere and everyone's like, Oh my God, have you seen the new Spider-Man? It's like, yeah, that's a thing that I never thought I'd hear. (laughs) Totally, totally. Did you um? Did you ever get once when you were growing up when when comic book movies specifically because that's where it came from. Mm-hmm. I started becoming really popular. Um, did you ever get this like feeling of like 
what are you doing in my <laughs> in my area? You're not supposed to be here. It's a rare occasion where I've had the impulse to just be like, get away from my things, from my people. Um, and it's really when some, uh, like, I'll get my hackles up when someone's being very negative towards my things or my people. Fair enough. Uh, but when people are trying to be positive about it, I always try and be very accepting. I will admit, uh, sort of the asterisk to that is I used to be a lot worse for when somebody were like, yes, that DC character, Spider-Man and my, <laughs> and my brain would tweak and I'd be like, you put, you push up your glasses and you're like, um, actually Spider-Man is a Marvel character, so he'll never fight Batman. Like, and you're just like. It doesn't matter. They they like it if it happens to come up. If they're just like, well, why doesn't Spider-Man ever fight Batman? That's a question that they asked you. That's information that they're wondering about. So then you can offer it. But just sort of the very like, um, well, you don't know this thing, so you must be dumb. Like, don't make people feel dumb. Yeah, the, the, the well, actually. The, yeah. the, I, you know what? I was, I have to admit, I was pretty bad at this too when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Um. I used to be like music a lot. I still like music a lot, but um, I'm very much like a music nerd. And somebody came up and says like, well, you know, like this came out in like 73 or whatever. I'm like, well, actually <laughs> that, that didn't come out till 1969. I was not concerned with one of the 70s. Like it's ridiculous. Right. Um, yeah. When you come think about it, but it is kind of like into the point of like, um, you know, what people call mansplaining. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, I, and it's hard, I guess, for you to speak for Danica, but the, Danica ever get that, especially working at a, like owning a comic book store. <laughs> Absolutely. And still to this day. Yeah. Yeah. Danica and I uh, have frequent conversations about this, partly so that I can, I can be better understanding and like, I've, I've done a lot of things. And even recently it takes a lot of thought to actually stop these impulses that are actually kind of baked into our, our upbringing and, and uh, just culture in general. I know that she's, experienced uh people coming into the store we're both behind the counter she's actually behind the till and i'm actually like somewhere else way less accessible and they'll just sort of like hey whatever to her and just be like excuse me the man uh can you can you direct me towards this and i'm just like i'm busy i'm reminded of this this uh incident that happened at um at happy harbor um where someone called uh the store and wanted like a, a, a woman answered and mm -hmm. said, I want to speak to a guy because I don't think I know. Have, is that, has it ever happened over there? We've had basic, but what we have had is when, when we take a stance on things, normally it's co-signed by both of us. Mm -hmm. um, fairly recently, Danica was asked to uh, talk uh, specific, specifically just her on, on a couple of, of topics and without, the sort of like, and a dude also said this or, uh, whatever, when it was just her, suddenly there's mail, suddenly there's comments where there wasn't before. And you might be able to chalk that up a little bit to coincidence, but when, uh, it's, it's like science basically. Yeah. Like you can, you can call it a, uh, you can call it a theory, uh, but it's only a theory until it's disproven, basically. Like, at this point in time, uh, I can safely say that this is because of 
of uh, people's perceptions, whether they realize it or not. Um, Cause it has not, it has yet to be disproven. Even, even when I take to the internet and basically, and I'm not even really paraphrasing, say, come at me, mm-hmm. everyone would be like, no, nah, we're good. You know what you're talking about. But if Danica says the same thing, they're just like, all right, let's come at you then. It's frustrating. It's frustrating to hear that. Cause I know like, you know, she's your partner and she's somebody that, uh, is I'm sure just as knowledgeable as you, mm-hmm. um, and would probably talk with authority about all these subjects. And it's, it's tough still seeing that, um, that perception still exists. I can tell that you're frustrated when you, when you speak about this and I can totally understand. This. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. so how do you, how do you guys balance this? Like, how do you make this better for her and for the store in general? keeping in mind haters gonna hate (laughs) type of deal uh just uh and pushing forward in your own direction you can only waste so much energy on people who just aren't going to change their minds and that's part of the reason why we are so vocal as a store is to basically make a fine point of if if you're the kind of person who's going to discount an opinion because it is coming from a uh, from a woman or from anybody who's just like not anybody who's my, like marginalized population. Yeah, right? exactly. Then, you know, this isn't the store for you. Mm-hmm. And I, I would never, I would, I would never, uh, say that, uh, other stores are, are for you, but I do say like, go somewhere else. You know what? It's, it's interesting. Cause I feel like Brandon does, takes a very good stance on this, but I feel like, like you're not the only one, and I think a lot of comic book, com- like at least the the local stores, at least yeah. are taking stances on this and take very heavy stances because they like these people are not only um, trusted people that they 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 work with, but they're their friends, their family members um, who are being um, insulted mm-hmm. um, from this. Hey, Herman here. Sorry to interrupt. But I'm letting you know that this show and the Alberta Podcast Network is sponsored by ATV Financial. Now they took podcasting here at Edmonton and in Alberta on something that I believe very strongly about and listened and said, we hear you. So ATV has worked very hard to be something of a leader here in the arts in Edmonton. And right now, they're what makes this podcast possible. And hopefully they're able to hear what you have to say too. So please check out atv.com slash listen. I want to talk more about you too. Um, you said you grew up in central Alberta. Mm-hmm. What, when did you move to Edmonton? I moved to Edmonton, I believe about 10 years ago now. Yeah. Shortly after I, <laughs> I was going to say graduated from college. I did not graduate from college. Oh, you didn't? No, I, I still to this day. No, awesome. I did one year of schooling um, realized that I, d- I did not want to be a teacher. Uh, oh, you're in education. Yeah. Teaching was something that I could do, but my, my real goal was to be a, a writer. And I've, I've really come to uh, the idea that like, until I actually learn, uh, some solid deadline skills, that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> but in the meantime, I can make money selling comics because it is something I'm actually good at. Uh, um, but I really do need the actual writing discipline to actually make any money doing writing. So I just kind of do it when I can, uh, when I have the means to, and otherwise I just sell comics basically. Yeah. How did your parents handle not graduating from, from college or university? Very poorly. Yeah. 
extremely poorly. Um, that, uh, that was the reason, uh, they were the reason, well, I, I say they, uh, my mom was the reason why I went to, uh, college. My dad, um, does have another family and he is very supportive of everything that I do. But, uh, with the, with the caveat of he also left when we were very young. And so now that he is sort of grown up and has his own family is very supportive, almost as sort of a, like, I'm so sorry mm. about the thing that happened um, <laughs> when, when you were five and didn't have the coping mechanisms yeah. um, here now. Like, sounds good, I guess. You know, in my, in my mom's view, and I, I don't really falter for this because this is, you know, this is a valid approach to life. Um, and especially she wanted better for her kids because she was going to be sort of uh, a stay at home mom only did kind of retail stuff. But then my dad left and so she's had to struggle. And so when she looks at her kids, she's like, all right, well, I want to provide you with the opportunity to go to college. And so then once you get your degree, you can go into a field where you can actually make money because money is happiness for in my mom's mind, basically. So me dropping out of college and being like, I'm going to work in the field of comics where relatively speaking in terms of the entertainment industries, there's more money in music, there's more money in television, there's more money like almost everywhere, like prose books, mm, marginally more. So that was a, that was a big point of contention, even, even to the point where uh, she had told me at, at certain points in time that she didn't tell people that I worked at a comic book store. She just said, Oh, my son works at a bookstore because, uh, as she said specifically, I don't want to be embarrassed in front of my friends. Wow. wow. Yeah. That must have been tough. That must have been really tough. Very tough. But now I'm a business owner. Yeah, different. So completely different. <laughs> Working, doing, doing the same thing, except now it's more terrifying. Yeah. Bigger scale. Yeah. More terrifying and less fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you, you basically grew up um, without a a father do you ever have any um even consider now like any specific male mentors or anything like that i used to work for a store called wizards comics here in the city mm -hmm. and uh one of the owners whose name is john uh was essentially i would call him my uh I, at a certain point in time i would have called him my edmonton dad basically um, someone who is very protective, who, uh, fairly early on, would just be like, so are you dating anybody? Like sort of like the little probing questions and, and would sort of like, well, how's your life doing? How's this? And when I actually moved in with my wife, um, I had dropped off a whole bunch of, of books at work basically to be picked up by, uh, the U of A, uh, when they're doing uh, something that involved picking up a whole bunch of pop culture stuff. And so I had this big U-Haul that I proceeded to back up into a, a set of garages that were behind the store. <laughs> um, he took care of it. He paid for it. He paid for that damage. Um, so he was, was very much a father figure and, and that was probably a first for me. Um, I still did have my dad, but like I learned how, I learned how to shave while I was in uh, Germany uh, with a marching band because I had started growing facial hair. And when you were in a marching band, you need to be clean shaven. Yeah. Um, so my dad didn't teach me that. Like my dad didn't teach me a, like a lot of more typical guy stuff because when he was 
when I was younger, he wasn't really around. And when I was older, it was sort of, I don't know, he didn't seem to be the person to approach to do that. He was just the guy who was like, hey, pal, what's up? Yeah, yeah good buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear you. I, um, I'm really happy that you did find a father figure um, to someone to connect with, but I totally understand. Well, I mean, I can't really say I understand. Like mm-hmm. I, had a, I had a dad most of my, all my life, but you know, there was definitely some things where I'm like, he didn't teach me how to do this. He didn't teach me how to do that. Like I had to learn how to tie a tie from like YouTube. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Same. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, there were some things where I'm like, I wish some people would have taught me around. I feel kind of like stupid, just like learning some of these things now and then. Yeah. Um, is that a feeling that you get sometimes? Absolutely. It is. And a lot of it, weirdly, I've never really connected to masculinity specifically. Um, I was actually, because I was sort of preparing for the podcast today and kind of talking things through, uh, a friend of mine had said that he didn't connect a few things with masculinity per se, but he connected him with uh, being an adult and sort of, like you said, tying a tie or whatever. That was one of those moments too, where I was just like, I feel like as an adult, I should know how to yeah, do this. Totally. <laughs> totally. But no, I, I, I don't. Yeah. It was, it was fairly similar with the shaving thing. I was just like, I have no idea what's happening right now or what to do. I agree with you that, that I don't think it has to do with masculinity, but it does have to do with like we're growing up. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of those things get left to like your dad's supposed to teach you how to shave or, but your mom is not supposed to do that. But yeah. I mean like, even then, I feel like I really hope there comes to a time where anyone can just teach you how to shave. Yeah, exactly. You know I, mean? I understand the idea of masculinity, and there is uh, a lot of connotation with it, both positive and negative. Um, but just that idea that uh, that we ascribe specific roles or specific teachings to to genders or whatever, especially when you know people aren't necessarily their their gender basically uh in in a lot of meanings of 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 that you know it, just kind of shedding those ideas as we go forward like that's that's been i will say this uh with with a lot of younger people uh coming into the store you kind of see that being shed it's really really interesting to see these these young kids growing up uh, in the store or uh when i was doing a comics podcast talking with a a creator who is uh, now doing a book called Bitch Planet, uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick. Um, we had interviewed her long, 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 long ago. And she was talking about how her young son had come home and somebody had asked him why uh, he was friends with so-and-so if they were black. And he's like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And she's like, how do you explain to your son who doesn't see these differences what differences are without essentially cementing the idea that those differences exist. Why would somebody say this when it's not so much a difference as it is just that's another person? Yeah. I, I'm in confliction with that too, especially mm-hmm. doing a, a masculinity podcast. No, I, yeah. <laughs> and what I like about this podcast is you, is you actually explore that idea. Uh, idea in every direction basically that's actually uh, what makes it really fascinating thank you i appreciate that and mm. that's 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 the point of it like like i i really ascribe to masculinity as being very diverse and very much on a spectrum and very much mm-hmm. that 
I, I really want to get to a point where we don't think of masculinity as a thing. Think about ourselves as just people and just somebody who um, we have our own values. We have our own belief systems. As long as we're not hurting anybody and making sure that we're respectful of people, I feel like that's the way we meant to live. Yeah. But you're right. Like <clears throat> we still live in a world where um, these differences matter in a sense where that people still are being questioned about their differences yeah. or so it's hard to, to teach a, a young child, for instance, to say that, you know, we should just think about each other as a people, but then all of a sudden, well, well, you know, like little Susie was given a dress, like something pink and I was giving something blue. Why is that? Like, why can't yeah. I have the pink thing? Um, and then you have to explain to them, Oh yeah, well, there's still some people who ascribe to this notion. So must, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wanted to talk about something really cool that goes on in the store. <clears throat> First of all, I wanted to ask you this question. Are you, do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? Uh, definitely introverted. introverted. Oh, yeah. So this leads me to the other thing. Your introverted reading night. Yes. Who came up with that idea? Danik and I talk about a lot of things together. And so I'm, I'm not really sure whether it was myself or her, but... I know whoever it was, it was, it was agreed to very quickly. And, and yeah, basically the idea is offering our space up to people who still want to be around people, but just don't want to talk basically. Yeah. Um, what a lot of people don't understand about introverts is it's not that they don't want to be around people. It's that it's an energy drain basically to be conversive or whatever. So being able to be around people, like-minded people, quiet, but uh, with connection of some kind there, like a shared interest, like reading basically. Yeah. That's pretty huge. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people joke like, Oh, attendance must be really small. Ha ha. And yeah, we get anywhere from like two to 10 people, right. which isn't a whole lot. But the idea too, is it's not just about the people who come in. It's about the people who are staying home because they're not comfortable. Um, especially some people aren't comfortable with any sort of outing or whatever. But to know that there's a store or people who understand that it's not that you don't want to go out, it's that you can't. Uh, and this is a space that respects those needs. That speaks to me. I, like, I don't know if I consider myself either or. I think that speaks to me in a sense of like specifically around mental health. I think that's like having a place where you're just allowed to be quiet or allowed to just be yourself without being able to be like, hey, look, there's somebody else you need to talk to over there or there's somebody yeah. else you need to meet. There's no pressure, just pressure's off and you feel comfortable. And I think, especially with introverts, that there's, the world is very extroverted. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and especially in terms of starting your own small business, um, especially in Edmonton, Edmonton is all about getting your name out there and forging connections and knowing this person who knows this person who can connect you with so-and-so you actually have to talk to people <laughs> for, for that to happen. And so our version of connecting with people is this uh, sort of building connections in a way that we're comfortable with in a lot of ways as mm -hmm. well. I really hope that Attendance does grow, and I think it's really interesting that this happens um, because you do also carry another other types of events which are interesting and fascinating, and 
Like, how do you pick your type of events? Because I feel like they're very diverse. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the goal too. Your more typical comic stores kind of do gaming uh, nights, a lot of card game stuff. Yeah. Probably the 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 biggest gathering type of thing that we do are that's not sort of like a casual drop in drop out as you please as the podcasts uh, meetups, which is where I met you. Yeah. And that's also one of the things that is actually uh, a bit of a barrier for a lot of people, because when you come into a store and there's something happening, yes, totally. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, and so we've, we've seen a few people at the, at the podcast things just being like, Oh, oh, is there a thing? I'm so sorry I interrupted. Like, no, it's a store. And you can come and walk around and you're you're still good, but there's still that feeling of intrusion. Um, so a lot of the events that we build are built to be more casual with that in mind. Community clothing swap, basically drop in, drop out, bring some clothes, take some clothes home with you, very casual, uh, and then everyone can still come in and it's sort of like a milling thing or whatever. The introverts reading night, game masters support group, basically just yeah, I like that too. Like mm -hmm. you like like it's it's supporting each other. It's not a thing to do with like hey, there's somebody talking on the front or whatever, and listen. And like we would never we would never stop doing the the podcast meetups for anything because that's that's a huge community building thing as well. Uh, that that community has actually grown uh, leaps and bounds too. Not really through our efforts, we should say. Uh, that's Karen Unland. Um, who really, no, don't, don't, don't really builds that like <laughs> she'll, she would chide me as well. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's sort of my impulse all the time. It's just like, no, it's not. Oh, what are you talking about? So, um, but yeah, it's, uh, you, you build, you build these environments where people can, can come in and, and be accepted. And that's, that's basically our goal with anything that we try and do. Yeah. I really find very ambition to be very welcoming and yourself and Danica are both good hosts, I feel. Um, and yeah, I could imagine having, I don't know. I remember the last meetup, there was at least like 50 people in, I think, in that store. <laughs> it was a big one. Um, oh yeah. So I get a sense when like someone comes into the store, it's like, oh, okay. You're <laughs> um, but I, again, like I, I, I think having those kind of supports nights and like, and like I said, the introvert reading night, I think is super cool. And I think that it's, there needs to be more of that kind of comfortable, quiet space for people to understand and, and just be able to support each other, especially with guys. How was it for you being an introverted guy? Like, was that, tough do you find your tribe it took a long time it actually took moving to edmonton basically found it pretty good when i was in central alberta in the marching band but that was basically prolonged exposure to a small group of people so that i could build up my own confidence and and so yeah it was sort of like finding your own tribe finding your people and then um i found in that space i was very open um when i moved to edmonton i kind of closed up again and like at school, I was actually very close too, because it's still that variety of people. I usually sat in my locker and wrote. Nobody really picked on me, but I was everyone's acquaintance, but no one's friend, basically. Right. And that was a big part of Edmonton too, to start out with for the longest time. Um, and again, it was like working at the comic store where I started forging these connections with people. Um that's where I met my best friend and through him, he threw a Dr. Who party, which is where I met my wife, mm -hmm. um, through the store, I actually met a lot of people that Danica actually already knew. So, uh, when we started sharing our friends groups, it was just like, Oh, I know them. <laughs> and we were just 
in these adjacent bubbles, basically, that we hadn't quite crossed over yet. It was right. very interesting. That's cool. Yeah. It's really cool. <clears throat> you think that that community is still small or is it growing? It's growing. It, it does. Um, and a lot of it, too, is I know how I felt being introverted. It can be very lonely. And introverts don't like being alone or lonely. They still crave connection. It's just harder because they don't, uh, it's, it takes so much out of them to, uh, even just speak up sometimes or, or like small talk is the hardest thing in the world, uh, to do. That's uh, like the uh, working in the comic store was probably the best thing for me because that small talk was about things that they were coming in to grab, to experience. So it was a shared interest that was there by default, basically. Right. right. Yeah. It's, it's all about, for me, the space we provide is, is a means to actually help other people like myself, like Danica mm -hmm. to, to find connection with people. And then that's uh, another reason why we do the events that the way that mm -hmm. we do them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I could totally see that. Um, I think it's part of your own persona and your own identity, which is really cool as a comic book a business owner do you get do you do you get the clash of other people with other guys in general being a business owner within the store culture there's not really much pushback and whenever there is because we're the store owners it's very easy to be like well then go away so that's really helpful uh what we have discovered is the previous existing retailers and i'm not going to i'm not going to say the edmonton retailers there are right. by default maybe like a few in edmonton still but sort of old guard mentality where the idea is well this is always how we sold things and and this is how we'll sell things forever and we're not going to change that for any reason when when new ideas come up i know sort of old ordering patterns uh you can sell and i'm just tossing out random numbers here mm -hmm. You can sell a hundred issues of first issue of Spider-Man, like no problem. Uh, but something like Ms. Marvel, uh, I know when I was working at wizards, I ordered it like I would Spider-Man and that idea was met with a lot of pushback, uh, because they're like, no, like this is not going to, that's not going to work. And you're just going to be sitting on copies, but there's some things that you can kind of, or at least in, uh, in my opinion, there's some things I can kind of feel in my guts, uh, where the way it's being promoted, the the feel that you get from the creator when they're talking about the subject, um, when you can tell that it's coming from a place inside them that's very genuine, and that's a big thing. Um, people can smell disingenuous content from a mile away. Totally, The genuine stuff is always what hits the mark and finds an audience. That's a, actually a little bit of what people were having troubles with they'll lump in things like ms marvel or unbeatable wasp or black panther in with it because it's an easy shorthand for them to dismiss a whole line of comics but they'll be like well a whole bunch of what they're putting out was just like ill thought out and just kind of cashing in and admittedly a small chunk of it was they would just be like well this works so let's do it three times over right the problem being they're trying to do it three times over in a market that was built to sell again, like we were talking about before products to the existing market and not the emerging market. So if you try and shove a whole bunch of things into the existing market without trying to build 
supports and outreach to the emerging market, yeah, it's not going to work. People love authenticity and they can see it. And it's hard to like, once you see somebody with a lot of passion towards their product mm-hmm. and passion for the thing that they're doing. Yeah. People love that in general, in, in general. And I think using that approach works the best. <laughs> well, and, and that's why I tell people too, like, just because Danica and I, uh, run the store the way that we do doesn't mean that you technically should. It's not that you're wrong if your ideas are different, but if you're trying to pass them, pass them off and you don't actually, actually believe them, like you, there needs to be action behind your words. Yeah. Uh, Cause without action, then your, your words are, are meaningless. Like everyone can smile and nod and kind of like click the like button on, on whatever social media that's out there. But if there's not action to it, then it's just, it's, it's placating and it's not actually doing anything. Last question I have for you. And this is a question I ask all my guests. Um, has there ever been a piece of advice or something that you want to um, tell other men that, that really helped you out? Be true to, to who you feel you are. There's a lot of external input. Uh, I, I do find that everyone, uh, everyone knows what message is coming from themselves, but it's the external input that will always throw that into question. What's that feeling that's in your gut uh, what's it telling you if it is traditionally masculine, if it's not traditionally masculine, if it's, if it's whatever across the spectrum, what is that voice trying to tell you? Because that's something that is inside you. That's something that you, you do in fact believe. And because other people aren't, aren't validating that though, it doesn't invalidate it. Um, but, uh, also understanding that like I am a cishet white male, like I can, I can say that and just be like, just be confident in who you are as a cishet white male. <laughs> like the world is not telling me that I'm wrong. Yeah. So with that caveat, um, you know, it's, it's a lot harder out there for people who, who, uh, are othered basically. And, and I, I do recognize that. And I, I can, I can't really offer too much advice in that way because that's, it's not experience that I have, but support, 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 support. Um, I know people like myself just basically support people who are trying to be themselves for people who, who are unfortunately have to struggle uh, a lot more with, with identity, um, just for, for being something, a non, uh, I guess, non-traditional, yeah. um, just really, uh, attempt to be you and, and look for, for those who are, who, who are trying to support and yes, coach them on how to support, uh, yeah. because we don't, we don't know. Uh, we, we think we might, um, and you know, you, you don't have to be gentle, but it's appreciated. Yeah, no, that's, that's really awesome advice. And I, and I like it because it's basically that advice you're saying it, but you're also doing it. And I think, you're, and you're also literally putting your money where your mouth is. <laughs> yeah. Which is very scary. Because <laughs> <clears throat> this is, the, I think, the value that you that you work with in your business and the value that you put in um, to the work that you do and to the way that you approach comics and your business in general. And I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that. So that is our show for today. I want to know, though, before we leave. 
What was the coolest, most selfless thing another man has done for you? Now, Brandon talked about the day his male mentor paid the damages for an accident he caused trying to move. So has anything like this happened to you? Please, tell me about it. Tag me on your Twitter at Modern Man Pod with your answer. Or if it's a longer answer, do it on Facebook or send me an email. Send, send me something because I really want to hear these stories. I think they're really important. You can hit me up on Facebook too at Modern Manhood, the podcast. You can also find more episodes of Modern Manhood at modernmanhood.org or wherever you get your podcast needs. Now you can find Brandon Store Variant Edition at 10132 151st Street here in Edmonton, or you can go online at variantedition.com. You can also find Brandon on Twitter at Soupy Toasterson. Now that's soup with a Y, Soupy Toast, like you like a normal toaster that has a sun. Soupy Toasterson. <laughs> Please send all geeky questions to him. He knows a lot. You can also check out more about the Alberta Podcast Network at albertapodcastnetwork.com. And I hope everyone has a fantastic week. And we'll see you next time on the Modern Manhood Podcast. <laughs>